0: Some of you may be familiar with the country artist named Morgan Wallen. Uh, Morgan is an up and coming country star. In fact, I think he sold out or packed out uh, Bridgestone Arena three consecutive nights this past week. But just about a year ago, just over a year ago, February the 2nd, 2021, Wallen got into some trouble when a TMZ reporter recorded him late one night coming home from the bars with his friends, and he yelled a racial slur and some other expletives that they caught on tape, and it went viral. Well, Wallen quickly apologized for what he said, but it didn't seem to matter. Uh, after the incident, hundreds of radio stations dropped his music from, uh, their, from the air. His record label suspended his recording contract indefinitely, his booking agent canceled on him and would not book him any more shows. And it felt like his success was coming to a very quick end. A year ago, Morgan Wallen became the most recent victim of our cancel culture. However, he used this awful experience to make himself better. He continued to apologize for what he had said. He owned it. He didn't make any excuses, but he knew that he had a gift for songwriting and performing and he wasn't going to let it go. And so now he continues to work hard as a performer, having learned from all that he went through and many people are now giving him a second chance, but not everybody. Cancel culture. What do you think about it? It has become a very real thing in our society in recent years, largely due to our digital age. But what do you think about the concept of judging people once and for all based on their worst mistake? Do you want to be judged once and for all based on your worst mistake? And is there room for grace and forgiveness when it comes to our cancel? culture. Are people able to apologize and do better or do we hold it against them forever? I was born in 1980. And if you remember, that was the year that Ronald Reagan was elected president. He was inaugurated 1981, January, and then on Monday, March the 30th of 1981, after he'd only been president for 69 days, there was an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan's life. He was leaving a speaking engagement at the Hilton Hotel in Washington when he and three others were shot and wounded by John Hinckley Jr. The bullet ricocheted off the limousine and lodged into Reagan's lung, stopping only one inch from his heart, just this close. He was the first sitting U.S. president to survive being shot while he was in office and Hinckley was later found not guilty by reasons of insanity. Reagan had that famous line, if you remember, when he was about to be wheeled into surgery at the hospital when he looked up at all the doctors and he looked around and he said, I hope you're all Republicans. Do you remember that line, Lydia? But in a book that she would write years later titled Angels Don't Die, My Father's Gift of Faith, Patty Davis, the daughter of Ronald Reagan, would talk about this awful incident and her father's recovery. This is what she said. My father knew that his physical healing was directly dependent on his ability to forgive John Hinckley. Forgiveness is hard work, but my father made it sound effortless. He would always say that we are all God's children. Maybe at one time I chalked it up to the language of a church-going man, but when he referred to John Hinckley as misguided, I felt the weight of that word and what it said about my father. He never expressed hatred for the man who had shot him, He expressed pity. He knew in his world that even Hinckley belonged to God. That's the kind of knowledge that leads to forgiveness. It transforms us and it heals us, she said. When you ask people to name different spiritual disciplines in the Christian life, you will hear some common things like prayer, Bible study, worship, serving others, uh, habitat builds like we have this weekend and next weekend. Meditation, listening, tithing, stewardship, singing, communion, poetry, confession, spiritual reading, but very rarely will you hear anybody mention the word forgiveness. It gets left off the list because many people don't see forgiveness as being a spiritual discipline. In fact, in our cancel culture, many people are not quick to forgive But forgiving others is one of the most important things that we can do as Christians. It also might be one of the most difficult things that we're called to do as Christians. Why is that? Why is forgiveness so challenging? Why do so many of us have such a hard time doing it? Gandhi once said that the weak can never forgive. It's only an attribute of the strong. He also said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth will make the whole world blind and toothless. Thomas Zaz, a Hungarian psychiatrist, stated that the stupid neither forgive nor forget, the naive forgive and then forget, but the wise forgive but do not forget. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. And then Bishop Tutu, who recently passed away, once said that without forgiveness, there is no future. What did he mean by that? But I'm still asking the question this morning, why is forgiveness such a challenge in this culture? This Lenten season, we're studying the parables of Jesus found in Matthew's gospel. And today we we come to this parable of the unforgiving servant. Jesus tells this story. There was once a slave who owed a king 10,000 talents, which was a very large debt in that day. And when he was brought in and asked to settle the debt, it became clear that he did not have the money. And so the king ordered that the slave be sold along with his wife, his children, his possessions, and that payment could be made. Upon hearing this, the slave dropped to his hands and knees and begged the king to have patience with him, and he would pay him back everything. Well, out of pity and and mercy, the king decided to release the slave and forgive his debt. But what did that same slave do once his debt was forgiven? He went out and found another slave who owed him just 100 denarii, which by the way, some biblical scholars say was equivalent to one 500 thousandth of the amount that he had been forgiven. And he demanded right then and there that it be repaid. It's the same thing in our day as being forgiven a debt of $1 million and then going out and finding somebody who owes you $2 and asking for the money. Here we have a slave who had a tremendous debt forgiven by the king, and he's unable to forgive the tiny debt of his fellow slave. Here we have a slave who was forgiven himself, but who could not bring himself to go and forgive somebody else. Well, Jesus goes on to say that once the king was informed of what had taken place, he summoned the slave and he said, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave just as I had mercy on you? And then in anger, the king turned him over to be tortured until he could go and pay all that he owed. What can we learn from this parable in Matthew's gospel that Jesus Tells us, and what observations can we make this morning in 2022 about this subject of forgiveness, which is, I believe, a spiritual discipline in the Christian life? First of all, we can learn the obvious that we cannot expect to be forgiven ourselves if we are not willing to go and forgive others. When it comes to forgiveness, the golden rule is always in effect. Forgive if you want to be forgiven. Don't forgive if you don't want to be forgiven. Jesus even says, don't expect God to forgive you if you are not willing to go and forgive other people. There are people in this world who treat other people one way, and then they expect to be treated differently themselves. There are people in this world who have been forgiven of some terrible wrongdoings, but who still refuse to go and forgive others. And I've never really understood this, to be honest. Because in life, what goes around usually comes around. I'm not saying that the world is always fair because we know it's not. And Roy talked about that last week. But typically, if you treat others with goodwill and love, you too will experience goodwill and love. Secondly, as Christians, we are called to forgive As many times as is necessary. Jesus did not put a cap on the number of times that we're called to forgive other people. In the verses right before this parable, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus responds to this by saying, not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. Or 70 times seven in some translations. A lot. There is no limit on the number of times that we're called to forgive other people. Earlier I referred to that quote by Thomas Zaz, the Hungarian psychiatrist who said, the stupid neither forgive nor forget, the naive forgive and then forget, but the wise forgive but do not forget. And it's the age old question, do we have to forget in order to truly forgive? Is forgetting really possible? Um, I was leading a couple's Bible study one time and we're talking about this question of forgiveness and wrestling with it and there are different opinions on the topic. But I would say that forgiveness is not contingent upon forgetting. After all, we have a memory and there are certain things that we would like to forget but we can't. Some would say that if we can't forget a time when somebody has hurt us and we really haven't forgiven them but I don't think that that's necessarily true. Just because we have forgiven somebody does not mean that we should put ourselves back in the place to be hurt again. You know, there's that old adage, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. I think it's possible to forgive others and then keep a safe distance. We can protect ourselves from being hurt again because that's probably the wise thing to do, the logical thing to do. But remember, Jesus said that there should never be a limit in terms of the number of times that we should forgive another person. Third takeaway this morning, we forgive others in life because God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We forgive others in life because God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. The the king in this parable forgives the slave and then expects the slave to go and be forgiving in return. Biblical scholar William Barclay says that if God has forgiven us the debt that we owe to him then we must forgive our fellow human beings the debts that they owe to us. Nothing that we have to forgive can even faintly or remotely compare with what we have been forgiven. He says, we have been forgiven a debt which is beyond all paying for the sin of man brought about the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ. And if that is so, then we must forgive others as God has forgiven us. The truth is we really don't have a choice in the matter if we acknowledge the grace of God and if we obey the commandments of Christ. We don't have a choice in the matter if we believe what we pray in the Lord's Prayer every week. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We don't really have a choice in the matter if we want to live a life that shows that we are truly grateful for our own forgiveness. Some may think that forgiveness is optional, but it's really not if you're a Christian. And think about it, without forgiveness, we couldn't get along with anybody, even those that we love the most. Fourth this morning, when we learn to forgive, we take a huge burden off of our shoulders. Some people go through life never forgiving others, and because of that, they they carry more weight and burdens than they should. When you hold grudges, when you harbor resentment, when you keep bringing things up from the past, it's impossible to fully focus on the present and the future. Everybody here today has things in your past that you would just assume in the past. And guess what? You can. But first, you have to make a decision to do that. First, you have to make a decision to turn it over to God and let it go once and for all. And forgiving somebody else is a really big part of doing that. You know, forgiveness is a, is a choice that all of us have to make. And until we make the choice to forgive, we will never be able to find peace in life because it will fester and it will grow inside of us. It's like drinking the poison, waiting for somebody else to die. And whoever did us wrong and whoever has hurt us will continue to control us and rule our lives. Now, I certainly realize that certain situations are not always that simple because people do some pretty terrible things and certain situations are very complicated and they're not so clear cut. You might remember years ago, we had a a doctoral student from Vanderbilt here and when she was in her master's program at Emory, somebody broke into her apartment They raped her, they beat her, they left her for dead in the front yard, bleeding. And she was doing her doctoral dissertation on the subject of forgiveness with A.J. Levine at Vanderbilt uh, Divinity School, and she reached the conclusion that as hard as she had tried, she tried over and over and over to forgive that person, and she just couldn't do it. She was being honest. Honest. And I think one of the biggest challenges in life for many of us is to forgive ourselves because until we learn to forgive ourselves and accept God's forgiveness, then we're always going to have a hard time forgiving other people. And that's the truth. We project so many of our problems onto other people because we have a hard time dealing with them ourselves, which leads me to my final point this morning. Forgiveness, is challenging soul work in a culture that wants to judge people once and for all. Why is it challenging? It's challenging because we usually don't understand why somebody would do something to hurt us or to hurt those that we love and care about. We usually just don't get it. Forgiveness is hard because as human beings, we are wired for survival. And we naturally tend to keep a record of people that have done us wrong. And some people are much worse about this than others, but that doesn't change the fact that Christ calls us to forgive and then move on. Christ calls us to not let the hurts and pains of our past keep us from experiencing the joy and the fullness of this beautiful thing that we call life. And the more we learn to forgive, I think the easier it becomes. So accept God's forgiveness, grant forgiveness to others, let go of that burden that you've been carrying for a long time that you don't need to carry anymore. And remember, there is really not anything Christian, in my opinion, about what we call the cancel culture, because Jesus calls us to forgive and then to move on. Amen.